I think rural America is very similar. When we talk about our situation here in Southeastern Ohio, I think it applies to a lot of people out there. And I'm guessing there are a lot of people who, if, when I say that there are too many kids who slip through the cracks in this part of America who don't get a chance to play ball in college, I'm guessing there are a lot of people out there right now that are nodding their heads in agreement, saying, my gosh, we have that happen too. I've came to that conclusion probably over the last year and a half, maybe two mm -hmm. years, that the the physical development of our athletes, it's just as important mm -hmm. as the skill development, if not more. And, and I'm almost to the point where I'm saying now that it's more important to develop our athletes as athletes, other than, you know, as infielders or as outfielders. Stop looking at food and drink in such a way that it's just I do this for pleasure, but look at it as fuel. Mm -hmm. When your mindset is food and drink is fuel, and, and, I, and, I, and I challenged him. I'm like, look, I'm going to say food is no longer just for pleasure. Food and drink is for fuel to my body. And therefore, I'm going to eat and drink the kinds of things that are going to fuel me for the goals that I have. It's episode seven, folks. And this one is a bonus. We're releasing it in the same week as episode six as a two-parter because this week, Pat and I have been discussing the calendar year for the player development program or what a sample calendar year might look like from our perspective. Now, we understand that this is strictly theoretical. We understand that we have not worked out all the details about how this logistically is going to take place but you know that's what a brainstorm is and that's kind of what these last two episodes have been just simply brainstorming about what we could envision a player development program to look like it's a dream it's a dream but we believe that it's a dream that could come true and if you believe it then jump on board with us enjoy this conversation because episode seven begins right now well let's get right into it we talked last time about the calendar year for a player development program, and we got as far as September and October. We talked about signing kids up in August and getting coaches together, parents together, getting people together and helping them understand the, the year-round vision and mission of this type of program and talking to the kids about how in the fall months, particularly when we say fall months, we're talking about September, October, we may provide a couple of days a week opportunities for you to get together to have some instruction for an hour and then maybe an hour of pickup games hour of pickup ball which gives coaches a chance to take notes and 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 you know learn about what other kinds of things we might need to be teaching these guys but it, but it's a, it's just a fun time it's an opportunity uh, it's an opportunity to play some different kind of ball than perhaps they played in the summertime they had a month of no nothing at all in august and we're talking about kids that aren't playing other sports for right. the most part. You know, they're not playing football or soccer or cross country or golf or any other sports that might be offered during that time of year. Or if they are playing those sports and they still have time and they want to come and do this, then it's available for them on a voluntary basis. Right. And I think there's a big difference in, in playing what we would, you know, define as organized sports mm -hmm. and playing in this yeah. model where we're saying, you know, you get together and you get, you know, you get to play with your friends and, yeah. The, the 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 stress isn't there and you know it's just easy to go out and, mm -hmm. and enjoy 
playing the game and you know we've talked about it and that's what fall ball should be in my opinion i think you're i know right. there are a lot of fall leagues a lot of fall baseball and softball mm -hmm. leagues and sometimes they end up becoming i mean every time you play if you're a competitor you're out there to play to win and yeah. we're not saying you don't play play to win i mean we every time we played a pickup game by gosh we played to win you know you just you just told a story about your own son jeremiah a couple of weeks ago about how he was playing hard right. in wiffle ball because his team was losing sure right yeah, yeah. if you're a competitor you're gonna play to win but it's a different stress level in the fall yeah and it should be yeah it's more fun yeah <laughs> yeah so someone might be thinking of themselves you know well you're you're having them play too much baseball you know we've heard you say before chris and pat that you you don't want them to play year-round that there should be some time when their their arms can recover from a a stressful season of of, of a lot of ball and we agree with you we're saying that when November comes, this is again, we're we're outlining this as just a brainstorm type of map right. of, of what a year round schedule might look like. But I, but if we have the facility, you know, that's one thing that's that's one of the obstacles to this is we don't really have any facilities right now. That's why otherwise we'd be doing it right now, you know. But if we had the facilities and the opportunity to 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 uh, the, the the places, the resources to do this, we would say, hey, come November, put the gloves on the shelf. Put the bats in the closet for a little bit. We're gonna put the balls down and we're gonna provide opportunities for strength training and conditioning for everyone in the program. Yes, everyone in the program, including an eight-year-old, including 16, 17-year-old. If you again, if you have the availability, it's not mandatory, it's not required, but it's offered because this is a huge part of developing you as an athlete. Now, before you start throwing your hands up when I say yes, an eight-year-old, I'm not talking about get an eight-year-old underneath the 45-pound bar and get him to squat or her to squat. There are different ways that you teach strength and conditioning and you prepare kids for making the proper movements You know, when, when the time comes for them to be able to lift weights as a as a grown young boy or a grown young girl you know coming through uh, puberty you know uh when when their when their muscles are, are are forming you know they're 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 becoming more of an adult getting more of an adult body but kids here we go kids these days <laughs> they're not getting as much exercise as they used to they're not they're not they're not putting up hay they're yeah. not out there swimming every day. They're not, they're not. I mean, let's be honest. This is a different world we live in. They're not getting the same kind of activity. And there's a lot of conversation out there about this, you know, in relative to physical education programs in schools, communities providing recreational things for kids, you know, you know, opportunities for kids to get out and run around a little bit, play some tag. And when, when, when you have a, a, a whole generations of kids that aren't getting as much activity then then here are some ways that you can provide it for them bring them into a setting where you can do some body weight strength training work yeah it's not gonna hurt anybody to do body weight strength training work no absolutely not the, i think the 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 development the the beginning development that you were talking about there a second ago that that's that's required for everybody you know everyone should go through that uh, just just to understand how their body should move and how they should feel when they're they're yeah. picking up weight, it's very important. But I think as you know, people are listening out there right now, they might be saying this is over the top, you know, or you you want me to work out my eight year old. Yeah, and you know I understand that, but it, it's it's really not much different than than hitting him fifty ground balls. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I watched, uh, or I didn't we, watch. We it. have to start thinking of this as part of the game. Absolutely, it, it it is a fundamental part of the game. Getting stronger. It is. I've I've came I've came to that conclusion, probably over the last year and a half, maybe mm-hmm. two years. That maybe three. The the physical development of our athletes, it, it it's just as important mm-hmm. as the skill development, if not more. And yeah. and I'm almost to the point where I'm saying now that it's more important to develop our athletes as athletes other than, you know, as infielders or as outfielders or as, as oh, hitters. Sure. It's more important. It's going to be easier for them to pick up later how to field a ground ball, how to hit a ball, how to throw. I mean, throwing, yeah, you don't. You can develop some bad habits that are hard to break early on. So, But those skills that we're talking about are a lot easier to pick up on to pick up later than it is to pick up getting stronger, proper nutrition, man, that's a hard one. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's big. And I, you know, this is. is something that I'm trying to kind of put together for my kids too. Uh, actually this year, this year I've, I've really come around on, on dieting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I say dieting, I don't, I don't mean the traditional, what people think of dieting. Yeah. Cutting know. a bunch of stuff out. No, I mean, yeah. there are things that you should cut out. I mean, there, when people think of dieting, are. they think of losing weight. Yes. And right? that's not what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. I'm talking and, about nutrition. Yeah. And it's complex and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's confusing and it's, it's hard. It's something that, you know, as, as, as coaches and parents, we need to learn and we need mm. to spend some time in, but and just, what, what you're talking about learning is to make better choices. Yes. Healthier. That there are better healthier. choices. Yeah, exactly. And there's a better way to think about food and drink. We think about food and drink in relate in relation to pleasure. Yes. What makes me feel good? What do I want today? You know, and, and I drink this because it tastes good. I eat this because it tastes good. And that's a benefit of food. But when that's the only mindset that you have going into nutrition, going into eating or drinking something, then of course you're going to choose Mountain Dew over water. Or of course you're right. going to choose little Debbie snack cakes over something, you know, green beans, or, you know, or, I would or, say or, or vegetables or a banana or an apple. Yeah, or an apple. I would say from my own experience, I, I actually went to the doctor. It was a little, uh, personal health information here, personal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I went to the doctor at the end of the year and my cholesterol was sky high. Mm. And I, I recognized that I was eating way too much sugar. Yeah. And so I, I, cut added sugar out of my diet. Yeah. I, I wasn't eating a lot of added sugar, but what I found was when I would go to eat a banana after about maybe a month of not eating added sugar, when I would go to eat a banana or an apple, it tasted so, so sweet. sweet. Oh, it was so good. You know, it was just crazy. Yeah. Uh, and actually, uh, one of our friends made us something called, uh, uh, I think it's called chai pudding, chai seeds. Oh my gosh, a, yes. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. This stuff is so good. It, it looks is. horrible. It yeah. looks... M- it looks nasty, it but it is so good. My daughter puts those kinds of things together all the time. Oh man, yeah. I love she, it. Yeah, and I was just telling everybody about. It. I was showing pictures, like, eh, what is that? But yeah. man, it was so good. But uh, yeah, diet is so big, and we and our kids are. If you think about a can of of Pepsi, and, and and if you if you go and you measure out the sugar that's in a can of Pepsi and just look at it, mm-hmm. just pour it in a cup and see how much sugar is actually in a can of Pepsi. Mm-hmm. It is so bad. It, it is. is so bad for you, and you know. Pop soda was it was made to be treated like an ice cream, like it you know, like a, a treat. treat as opposed yeah. to a beverage. Yeah, people are using they're intaking foods and drinks into their bodies as their normal daily nutrition today, 
and it's not intended for that. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll tell you, it, it, it starts with the mindset and choices you deciding to make the choice to think about food in a different way. I, I tried, listen, and I know it's hard. I tried, I, I when I was a high school baseball coach and we were we were taught, you know, we would do strength training in, in the off season. And I would always, at the end of our, our sessions, I would, I would pull the guys together and I would say, listen, everything that you've just done in the past hour was awesome. It was phenomenal. You busted your tails in here. There's sweat all over this floor, you know? Some of you right now, though, you're going to go out of here and you're going to drive through McDonald's and you're going to ruin everything you just did. <laughs> you know, you know, some of you, some of you, I said, listen, guys, you have got to start realizing that what you eat and what you drink goes hand in hand, not only with your strength training, your strength and conditioning, but with your athletic performance. And what I'm saying is stop looking at food and drink in such a way that it's just I do this for pleasure, but look at it as fuel. Mm -hmm. When your mindset is food and drink is fuel, and, and, I, and, I, and I challenged them. I'm like, look, just try it for three months. Just put, put, put dates on the calendar. Start tomorrow and go out three months and say, for this long, I'm going to say food is no longer just for pleasure. Food and drink is for fuel to my body. And therefore, I'm going to eat and drink the kinds of things that are going to fuel me for the goals that I have. And what are my goals? Well, whatever it is that you're preparing for, whatever season, whatever sport you're preparing for, or if it's just, heck, if you're not playing anything, and you just want to feel good. Right. You'd be amazed at how much better you feel on a day-to-day -day basis, how, how le much less sleep your body needs because it is more energetic because you're putting in better, you know, better, nutrients in into it than just i mean a lot of stuff that we eat just turns sugar yeah it, it, it just turns to sugar and fats that are unnecessary for us and and uh, i'll tell you why are we spending so much time on this right now because we want every parent wants and every kid wants it too we want the the best that they can possibly be athletically to be you know to, to be available to them we want them to become the best that they possibly can be and yet this is the one area of their their development not just at, i almost said athletic development but their development as people right as i mean we're we're raising young adults here they're going to be adults one day which means they're going to be making choices one day for for longer life for better life for living their best life and their most healthy life regardless of whether or not they're playing a sport. But because we're talking in the context of sports, this is what we desire. Yet we let them get away with eating whatever they want. Yep. And, and, and we let them, you know, we fill them with sugar and things. And I'm not saying just not ever give your kid a treat, but look at it that way. Mm -hmm. Once in a while, a treat is good. But other, other than that, get them as they get into a routine of, of making better choices. Well, I'll tell you this, as when they're younger, those choices are yours, mom and dad. You make the choice for them. You're the ones filling the cupboard. You're the one that's going to the store and buying stuff. So if they don't have it in the house, they can't eat it or drink it. Yeah, you can make. I mean, if there's no pop in the like house, yeah. they're not going to have it at home anyway. Right. I've struggled with that. Me and me and Chastity, my wife, we because we've we've kind of went on this journey of you know trying to eat a little bit better, and mm -hmm. and we we recognize how bad our kids eat. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, you don't want to just strip strip things away from them that you've allowed them. To, you know to partake in yeah. all their life. But, yeah. Uh, I think th you, yeah. If, if it's a habit that they've, that they've developed since birth, because, because mom and dad have 
you know, have, have lived that way as well. And we're all, we're all guilty of that. I shouldn't say all, but a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. I'd say the majority of people in this country are probably guilty of that in some way. Then, then yeah, you help them gradually to wean off of that mindset. And, and what have we said, you know, as, as coaches, if, if we want someone to, to follow a, a pattern or we want something, someone to learn something, the best way to get them to learn is to model it. Yes. Right? Yes. So it, it, it starts there. Yeah. It does. But, I, you know, I think that a lot of people are, you know, we brought up strength training and, and, and diet, but you said it. If the, These are conversations that we need to have if we're going to allow our our kids to, to meet their potential mm-hmm. as, as, as as adults and as, as athletes. Yeah. So it's big. I, I think when people start, when they first listen to you and I on these podcasts talking about, you know, less games and, and, you know, not being so intense as coaches and kind of sitting back and letting them play a little bit, some unstructured free play. I think maybe some people probably got into their mind, this idea that you and I had, um, this plan to just take away all the, the organized part of it, you know, the, all the organization yeah. away, away from it, all of the, and just let them be, you know, let them out, go out there and have fun or whatever. But, but now it's almost like you're, you're seeing that, no, that's not what we're saying. Right. We want to help you develop these young athletes to be the best that they can be. And if that's, if, and, and you can do all this in a fun way, but here, here, what, what youth league, what organization, you know, travel or rec league or whatever offers nutrition counseling. And helps people with plans, you know, and says, you know, hey, hey, if your family, if you, if you want, you know, and, re- and recognizes that as part of the program, this is part of your, your, our youth baseball and softball program, you know, hey, this, this is going to help you be a better athlete. And so if you'd like, come in, we'll sit down together and we can talk about your current, you know, the current ways that you guys go about choosing the food you eat and the, 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 the things that you drink in the house and things like that. And maybe we can help you with an accountability plan, you know, that, that will be good for the whole family. And then, and then we'll see how, we'll see how that translates to your child's performance in March and April and May in June and July. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guarantee you it translates. I'm, I'm convinced it would. And you know, the same, the same goes for, for strength and, and conditioning. It, w- yeah. it would as well. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh, it was called Ahead of the Curve with Jonathan Gellner. Gellner, yeah. You know, you know that? Yep, that, listen to that one regularly. The first time I, first time I heard it, but this, they, he had uh, Zach Deckett on. The, oh, yeah. The, the author of Movement, Movement Over Maxis. Movement And he said something. I, I wrote it down. I, I wanted to, to use it. He said that um, the skills that we, we work on our athletes with, you know, dribbling a basketball or, you know, throwing a football or fielding a baseball, hitting a baseball, things like that, hitting a softball. Uh, those are like, those are like drops of water, you mm. know, and our physical condition, mm. you know, the way that we train ourselves physically and the way that we eat, you know, and keep ourselves uh, nutrients in our bodies. That's like the container that we can put those drops of water in. So do we want, you know, a gallon bucket container? Mm. Or do we want a five-gallon bucket container? Yeah. Right? And I thought, wow, that's that's, that's a great way to it look is. at it. That's a great point. Yeah. Right. And, so, Nova- and, and do you want a container that has holes in it? <laughs> that's a good, <laughs> you good know? point. Right, yeah. That's going to leak out all the good, the hard work. Because that's what's like. I mean, that's what I was trying to explain to those kids who are going to drive through McDonald's after working out real hard for an hour is, is you're just going to ruin everything you just did. Yeah. You know? And, uh, man, that's a great, I like that. Analogy. Yeah, I loved it. So. I thought it was good. Well, 
something else that we could do between November and February is if you if if you run a player development program and it's and it's you have all ages. So we talked about how it is important for kids who want to play the sport that they're playing in college. They need to learn about that process. And so when you have group when you have kids that are that are coming into age 15, 16, sophomore, junior in high school, they're well, really freshmen too. They should start thinking about these kinds of things. You know, there there could be training and assistance for what the recruiting process looks like and and the kinds of things that you need to begin thinking about and doing because a lot of times I, I've run across this quite a bit in in our area in particular. And honestly, it, it I run across this with kids who did not play travel ball a lot. This is one area where I think a lot of travel programs have more, they have more material, more understanding, more exposure to the, the fact that college coaches are out there and this is what they're looking for. This is, this is where they're going to be. And so there's a little bit of talk about the, I don't think all travel programs do it well. Some do it really well, but I've run into a lot of kids in Appalachia who grew up playing only recreation ball or as they got older, recreation ball transitioned into American Legion ball perhaps. And they get to their senior year of high school and they go and talk to their coach about, I, I want to play ball in college. And the coach says, well, what have you done to get recruited? They don't, and they, and, they, and they don't know, they don't, they don't know how to go about it. Right. I actually had a, I actually had a kid who's a freshman here at Ohio university who was a good ball player in high school come to me last year. And he ran into me here in, in, uh, in Schoonover center. And he said, Hey, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. So we sat down and talked together and he said, I miss baseball like crazy, you know? And he said, I thought I could walk on here at OU. And I went to the walk on tryouts and I didn't make it. It's harder than people think. Oh man. You know, you yeah. know, and this is a guy who was a real he was top player on on a local team. I mean, he's a really good player. It's a whole other episode yeah. right there. <laughs> and and uh so now he he doesn't want to stop playing. And he could play. He, this is a, this is someone if if he, if he wants to play, he should be playing mm -hmm. in college because because he has the ability to play. But he hadn't done any of the work that it takes. You know, people don't realize that to get to get recruited for I should say, for the ninety percent of the people who get recruited, it takes more work on your end than it does on the end of the college recruiters and the coaches that are out there looking for people. The top ten percent, the ones who are who are have just ungodly talent. They're they're just really they're they're standing out, and they are they there is no doubt that that i mean they're they're the ones that are causing all the waves in every in every league everybody knows this is the top player they're all district every year of high school that you know they they are just without a doubt a standout colleges will find that person but whenever someone says to me oh, if you're good enough colleges will find you i just want i i, I cringe when i hear that because mm. it's not true yeah there are so many kids that are really good that could play college ball they're not going to be found unless they do what it takes to get seen. And so it requires, it doesn't, you don't have to play for a travel team to do this. I mean, I, you could play American Legion ball. You could play recreation ball and do this, but there are things that you got to do. You got to learn how to, 
draft an email to, to college coaches. You got to learn what it is that you're looking for. What do you, what do you want to major in? Because really that's the most important thing. Going to college is the most important thing. Playing ball is secondary to that. And if you right. could do both and you could actually get some money for your sport and no one's, no one's getting a lot of money to play baseball or softball in college, but if you could, and, and you had the opportunity to play and, and the most important thing in that is your education. Yeah, and the, and so, coaches, coaches respect that and look, look for that out of players. Absolutely. That plan and, absolutely to a career yeah yeah Yeah. there there are schools and for instance for instance there are a couple schools that that were that wanted kaylee to come and play our daughter they didn't have her major and Mm -hmm. so she she even though there may have been a better offer somewhere else well the most important thing to her is what she's what she's going to study what she wants to do with the rest of her life when softball's over you know and and so that's that's the that's the key i mean that that kind of education and we'll get into recruiting you know in the next episode when we have Brock on, but the, just the, the help with that, tell, you know, getting parents in a room with, with their kids and, and just outlining it. You know, this is, if you're a sophomore in high school, this is what you should be doing. You should already be signed up with the NCAA eligibility and compliance office. And here's how you do that. Here's how much it costs. Do you realize it costs $75 to, to be eligible to get an NCAA scholarship? You know, well, you need to make sure that you have a, an ID for when that coach says, what's your NCAA ID? You know, if you go to a showcase and they're like, have you, are you signed up with the NCAA? You don't want to look at them like dumbfounded. Like, what are you talking about? Mm. It happens though, because people don't know that, right. that this is something you need to do. So all of those things are things that could be part of a player development program. And when we say that we're doing things year round, this is the kind of thing we're doing year round. Sure. In the wintertime, when there's no baseball or softball to be played, we're sitting down, we're offering a once a month meeting or something like that for parents and for their kids who are a little bit older in the program who may want to consider playing in college. Well, here's what you got to do. And video creation is part of that. And so we're going to help you create some video. Whatever position you play, we're going to put some showcase video together for you. We're going to get in a cage with some cameras. We're going to start getting video out there. We're going to teach you how to create your own YouTube channel. We're going to teach you how to submit these links to coaches so that they can actually see you know, what, how long should the video be? What kinds of things should I put in there? What kinds of things should I tell a coach? It all needs to be driven by you, the player, because coaches don't want, they're not interested in hearing from parents. They're interested in hearing from you. But all of this is stuff that we can teach you. And if there are kids, let me ask you this. If there are kids that, let's just, let's just talk about this area. Small town, rural Ohio. It could apply to small town, rural Indiana, Michigan, wherever, Kentucky, whoever, wherever you're at when you're listening to this. So far, you know, we're a handful of episodes in and I've seen about eight different states where people are listening to our podcast right now. So we're starting to grow, Pat. All right. We're starting to grow. So wherever you're listening from. Getting closer to retirement. You may. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Keep pumping those brakes. Let's, <laughs> we would love to get there, wouldn't we? Let's get some sponsors on this. But what I think rural America is very similar. When we talk about our situation here in Southeastern Ohio, I think it applies to a lot of people out there. And I'm guessing there are a lot of people who, if when I say that there are too many kids who slip through the cracks in this part of America who don't get a chance to play ball in college, I'm guessing there are a lot of people out there right now that are nodding their heads in agreement, saying, my gosh, we have that happen too. Yeah. And this is one of the things that we can help with. Yeah. This is what player development does. Yep. I agree. And I don't think people realize how many, you know, D3 Mm. athletes are actually good enough to play D1. Oh, no doubt about it. Right. And they they didn't because of things like this. 
or I want. I really want Brock to talk about this guy because he he got a chance to catch a bullpen with him last year. But the, there's a player that graduated from Alderson Broadus University, which is where my son Brock is playing, and uh, he graduated the year before Brock arrived. But last year, when he came back to visit for homecoming, he went up, worked out with him, and threw a bullpen, and Brock caught him. He got to tell me about him. His name is Randy Dobnak, and uh, Randy went to a Division two college, was pretty darn good pitcher at that Division two college low 90s you know fastball um really nice hard breaking slider good off-speed stuff and after he graduated played some independent ball got picked up by an independent team and since then got picked up he actually got signed about a year later by the twins so he began this summer in high a ball in the minnesota twins organization Mm. He got quickly moved up after he went like six and zero. Gave up. I mean, his ERA was was. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, it was like less than one. Got moved up to Double A. In Double A, his ERA ended up. I mean, he pitched several games in Double A. I think seven or eight games in Double A. ERA was under two. And a week ago, he got moved up to Triple A, to the Twins Triple A program. I read some tweets last night as Minnesota's considering what their postseason prospects are going to look like. Actually read a tweet last night. I took a screenshot of it and sent it to Brock that said the Twins could have a Dobnak to help them battle the, the Indians oh, in the postseason. Boy. I was going to say as an and, Indians fan, and, I'm, and, I'm not too happy about that. And I'll tell you, it, it, what's, it's so exciting because this is a Cinderella story. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is a Division two kid who's now you know he's 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 developed even and you you know you get stronger as you i mean you're you're at your best when you're 24 25 years old Mm -hmm. you know and he's he's what he's probably what 23 24 right now but he's running that fastball up to 96 um Mm -hmm. and he's 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 good he's crafty not a strikeout pitcher gets guys ground out and pop up but i yeah i'll let brock talk about him because i know that that he'll probably want to say um, talk about his experience with him. Question I'm going to ask Brock is why in the world wasn't he on our old man's roster? Because <laughs> he, he, he was pitching for the Twins. Well, I mean, we could pull him in or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring these ringers in. So. So yeah, well we well, we made it to about February. We're, we're, we're almost to the season, aren't we? We're, we're we're ready to to begin playing some organized baseball. Let's talk about it for a second here. So in March, March comes. When March comes, the older kids who are playing school ball, you're talking about sanctioned school ball. So you're, it, whatever your state sanctions, if it sanctions middle school ball, then this, this includes middle school ball. But most in our area, most of the school's sanctioned programs are high school. Uh, when they're playing for the schools, then they're unable to play any other type of uh, recreational or outside ball at that point in an organized way so you keep your hands off of those kids until their high school season is over but the younger kids will go ahead and start start playing so what kind of games you know how are we going to create teams and what do we what, what, what are we looking at when we actually start getting getting organized yeah you got any thoughts about it well i do i i've, I've always liked them i don't i think the organization the big ben organization that that you know, I'm which the Big Ben. You're, when you talk about Big Ben, because you've mentioned it a few times on the podcast, you're talking about the area along the Ohio River that covers most of the southern, southeasternmost part of Ohio, and then also West Virginia, right? Yeah, I think I once said that that's the the league in southeastern Ohio. I, I may have it's one of the that. leagues it's in southeastern Ohio. But uh, when I think about you know, it's it, it's it's the league in the southern southernmost it's, southern southeastern. You can't get part. any further southeastern <laughs> than that. But uh, you know. We have an issue with you know with numbers. Um, mm. We we've we've 
we've done things a certain way for a long time and, and people are turned off, you know, p- parents are yeah. turned off when you, when you initiate change like this. A- another thing is, you know, the drive from, you know, Tupper's Plains, Ohio to Middleport, Ohio, isn't nearly as long as what it used to be. So what I'm getting at is I, how long is it? Well, I don't know, 30 minutes, 25 okay. minutes, you know, so, but a 30 minute drive to get to some place to play a game or practice, or to practice. isn't that big. Yeah, of a deal? And I think that's the big thing for me is practice and our fall ball program in, in Southeastern Ohio. It's kind of a, people come from a pretty good the, distance. They there. do. They do. And it, so it, it kind of runs like this a little different, but I, in my mind, I've always been real fond of the way that, um, the Athens Sandlot league mm-hmm. separated the teams. You know, I, I, it's I, an evaluation process and then a draft. Yeah, the evaluation of draft. And, and, you know, I I think it's real easy over time to kind of uh, kind of allow some of the principle in that to deteriorate. And, you know, you, you maybe a team calls you and says, hey, we want to be in the league. And you, mm-hmm. you maybe, and that's happened. Yeah, and you only have three teams, so mm-hmm. you want another, so you let them in the yep. league. And it, but you, or we all, we're all from this same town, and these kids – Need to carpool. Right. You know, we, that, that's happened. Right, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I understand that. But I, I really like the idea of – because what happens is your, your teams are, are mostly equal. So what's that do for yeah, you? Yeah, there's a lot of parity. There's parity. So you get, you know, you get opportunities against, you know, advanced pitching. Mm-hmm. Opportunities against, you know, inexperienced pitching. You know, you get uh, – everyone kind of gets the opportunity to play different positions. The games are – a lot closer, mm-hmm. mostly, you know. Which, oh, they are. Which is makes it more fun. And 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 the team that wins the regular season has the best record in the regular season. Doesn't necessarily win the end of season tournament. Sure, you're amazed. Or if you started out really poor, um, you know, with a you, know, you lost your first six games or whatever, you may find that that's the team that wins the se- the, the tournament at the end of the mm-hmm. season. It just depends on how those other kids develop. Yeah, and I would say that's that's actually how things work in sports as you get older anyway you know i think a lot of youth uh, i'm speaking from a baseball perspective obviously a lot of youth teams that are really good they're really good because they have really good pitching yeah you're going to find that all the way through two or three but uh, you know when you're <laughs> the in mlb even well but even in the but in in the mlb okay uh, what i would say is they have more than one good pitcher right? yeah, you have to and a yeah. team can't go on a field and say yeah. you know well we've got We've got this guy on the mound, so we don't have to worry about you know right. playing defense or hitting the ball. Uh, I, I feel like it's more uh, it, it promotes more of a uh, competitive uh, uh, mentality mm-hmm. that you know the kids will know that they just can't rely on one guy or two yeah. guys to to, to yeah. carry them through the season. That you know they're going to have to win with a, th- a three and a four, and you get rotation principles and things like that into mm-hmm. it. But overall, I just think it provides a better. Uh, a better gaming experience yeah. for our kids. And, you know, it's, it's not just youth baseball. Everyone's always talking about, you know, how, how, how do we make baseball more relatable to, you know, our, our current society and everyone wants to change the game. And I don't think it's necessarily changing the game. I think it's changing the, our approach to the game. You know, we're major league yeah. baseball is making all these rules, you know, they're taking rules away. I you know, pitch counts and things like that, mm-hmm. which, yeah, we can get into that another time. But the, the point is, we're, we always think we have to change the game, and it's a game that's been around for a long time, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's it's been fun for a long time. But yeah, there, you know, it, when it stops being fun, it's probably not the game's fault. It's probably something external. Man, that's a great so, point. Yeah, that's a great point. So you're saying 
and I agree with this, you're saying that in that, in that period where it's time to select the teams, that teams would be created based on, you know, age, of course, and skill level as much as possible, right? That we would, we would find a way to evaluate kids and, and then just go with it. And then you go back through and you look and you, you, know, you, you contact your kids and, and you start practicing. And I could, I could see in an ideal world where we had the facilities to make it happen that every team is, has a chance to practice three or four times a week before you start playing games. You know, once the practice schedule is determined, you know, it, it comes back to the idea that, that, um, you know, that you're getting a lot of good practice in at the beginning of this season with your team. So it's not just individual skills. Now we're transitioning into learning how to play with the team, learning how, you know, learning team concepts and practicing as a team and starting to teach these, these younger kids that are out there on the field together, the team concepts, you know, de, you know, bunt defenses and first and third defenses and how to adjust on the field based on the hitter. And, you know, what is, what does it look like to play, to play normal depth, to play a little deeper? What's no doubles defense look like? What does halfway look like? What does playing in look like? What does, you know, how do, how do pitchers, what kind of balls should pitchers learn to field and how should, how, how should that happen? Baseball, softball, there's different, you know, different ways to, to go about it, but you just, you, you do it, you cover all those things. And you know, we're confident that coaches are covering all those things during this time period before they get out there and play games. They're not, there's not gonna be a question that, yeah, we did, we practiced all this stuff. And then as a leadership, you and I, if we're leading this thing, we're making sure we're touching base with coaches. Hey, whenever you, you know, we're sitting down having coffee with some guy, you know, who coach, coaches in our player development program, just happen to ask him, Hey, you guys go over first and third defense yet? You know, tell me what you're doing with that. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what how, how are you calling it out? You know, what kind of, what, what, what's your, what's your second baseman doing? You know, how they're pretty good at reading that that runner at third base, you know, are they able to cut it off or, you know, is that a skill that maybe you need to work on a little bit more? Just, just talk, just talking ball, you know, helping people just develop in every, in every possible way. Yep. Yeah. I think as people's listening, they're probably a lot of red flags are popping up and they're saying, I don't think this is going to work because of this or, you know, or that. And we're not, we're not deaf to that. I mean, we understand Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's, it's a transformation of the way that we think and the way that we approach the game. And I think a lot of the, the challenges that we're, we think about are going to uh, be taken care of because we're, what we really want to do is we want to rejuvenate our our communities and mostly the kids in those communities their love and passion for the game of baseball yeah for the game of softball softball is pretty strong right now i think in, in our area but mm-hmm. you know, for baseball you know i feel like the numbers are dwindling a little bit and, and you know if we can rejuvenate that that passion uh, this con our concepts like these become more attainable i think yeah so yeah i want to before we finish here i want to try to clearly outline something that i alluded to here just to give people something in their minds to compare with the current structure okay so i said that younger age groups would probably play less tournaments maybe one or two tournaments but our goal would be to schedule those younger age groups games versus quality opponents and so there are younger age groups out there that have good travel teams, you know, there's some good rec ball teams out there. And if we're running a whole different program, a player development program, and we got a handful of younger kids teams, we would schedule them some games, you know, maybe on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for, you know, to, which allows for greater control of scheduling maybe. 
um, and then maintain the priority of practicing during the week. So you kind of, your mindset is, Hey, our weekdays, our weeknights are for, for developing and for practicing for instruction. And then we get to weekends. That's where we're going to play games primarily. But the older age groups as you know, say, say the older age groups, when we're talking 15U, 16U, 17U, 18U, they, when they finish their high school seasons and they begin their in season schedule, their in season playing time. So that would be June and July. We would continue the idea of having at least three practices a week. So practicing three times a week. And then here's what I could see. I would love to see this kind of thing happen. And I would love to, I would love to invite college coaches to come and be part of this, to watch this as well. Because I, I think this kind of thing can happen. I really do. I, I think, and it ha- it, you got to have some quality teams if you're going to invite college coaches to come and watch this too. You got to you got to have players that they really want to see, and that's why they go to all the big travel tournaments because they know they're they're going to find somebody there that they right. want to see. Yep. But but if you had if you really developed, and you had some really high caliber ball players on these teams, and you invited other teams from other parts of the state or the tri-state area, wherever you live, to come and be part of, say, a weekend series where you're putting together four teams, and those four teams are going to play each other on a weekend. So here's, here's what it would look like. If I invite, if, I, if we have our team, if our player development program team is the, you know, we're the Pat Martins, that's the name of our team, and, and we're really good. And you know, we, we want to be good. We, you know, we're, we want to be competitive. We want to play competitive ball. We invite three other teams to come and join us for the weekend. And we say, hey, uh, we're going to have umpires here for the whole weekend. And we're going to have baseballs. And that's all we need to pay for. So here's what it costs. And that's, that cost is significantly lower yeah. than that team is going to pay if they go play in a perfect game tournament, pastime tournament, Under Armour, any of those tournaments they're playing in. You have a facility where they can play. Every team would play four games between Friday and Sunday. So every team would play four games. And perhaps you could use this as a structure. You match up the four teams. So you say, okay, your team is going to play, team A is going to play team C, and team B is going to play team D. And you're going to play a three-game series against the same team on Friday and Saturday. So... Maybe you would begin, you know, you'd begin on Friday and then you'd have the rest of your games on Saturday. So you play a three game series. So what does this sound like? A little bit like college ball, right? Or a little bit more like, like what ball is going to be like as you get older. And out of that three game series, so you have two, three game series going on. So between Friday and Saturday, you got to find a place to play six games. All right. So after that three game series, what you do is you match up the two winners of the series Mm. and the two losers of the series and they play on Sunday. You've got two games on Sunday. Yep. You play you know, between the two winners and the two losers, and you, you play for first, second, third, and fourth, basically. So that's how you go about your whole weekend. But here's something else that I love about this idea. These, these are the things that I, that, that I get excited about. In this kind of structure, every team before every game would take on-field BP. Why? Because you'd have time to. Every team before every game would get a fresh field. We'd, we'd drag it and line it, get it ready. Every team before every game would take in and out pregame, infield, outfield that you rarely ever get to do in travel ball. Right. You go to travel tournaments, you can hit some ground balls in front of your dugout, hit some fly balls on your side of the outfield, and that's the extent of it. You don't get a chance to, 
to, to, to do that pregame. And then you play the game and the kids go home or they go, they go to their hotel or they go stay with host families that are like, Hey, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll invite some kids, you know, to stay in our home and they get to interact with each other and they get to hang out. And I'm telling you, if you want something that feels more like the college experience, if you're an older, if you're a sophomore, junior, senior in high school, and you want some, your summer ball to feel more like the college experience, that's the college experience. That's what you're doing when you get to college. You're playing a four-game weekend series. Mm. And, and that's what it feels like and looks like more. Now, as I said, people got to buy into this. Right. It's an invitational model of yep. playing games as opposed to a tournament model. And if the more people buy into this, the greater competition is going to be because the better the teams are. And I, and I will tell you this. I'll, I'll, full disclosure here. The tournament, the, the travel team that my son played for during his 18U year, he did this one weekend. The Midland organization out of Cincinnati, they do this. They play tournaments also, but they have their own facility. They got two fields at their own facility. It's an incredible organization. They've had a lot of kids that were like uh, sons of Reds players that have played. You look on the board and you see a lot of familiar last names <laughs> on people who have played for the Midland, Midland Redskins, Midland Tribes, Mid Midland whatever, any Midland team. Uh, but they have teams from 13U up. And his 18U year, he went and played basically a, a round robin. And you knew going in, you knew how many games you were going to play. You knew who you were going to play. And what that also allowed you to do as coaches was say, well, here's what our pitching lineup is going to look like. Mm. We know who we're going to play. Yep. Here's who's pitching when. We knew we, we, could, we could basically um, control that a lot better. And uh, so I think, you know, when we talk, it's not, this isn't just something that, that, we haven't thought through a little bit, you know, I, I, I think this could work. I really think it could work again. It's not going to start working tomorrow. Yeah. You can't look at it, how things are right now. You can't, you, you have to understand how it's going to mature, or, you know, yeah. envision how it's going to mature yeah. over the next, you know, once you start to the next four or five years after right. that and, and so forth and so on. But I'd be really interested in seeing what people that are really into the travel ball environment and, you know, whose kids play a lot of travel ball think of that idea. Because to me... I know the first thing they're going to say is, well, who's going to be the guinea pigs that aren't going to have any college coaches there to watch them? You know, I mean, because early, right. early, early, if you make this transition That's and you start I, doing yeah. it, you're not going to, they're not going to get the exposure. Right. I mean, so therefore, maybe you do a little bit of both, right? Yeah. You, you go, you say, hey, instead of going to eight tournaments we're going to go to three or four yeah and then the rest of our weekends this is what we're going to do yeah and you gradually work your way into yeah. it and i think you you've you've said you know before that you said blow it up you know blow up yeah. blow up what you're doing yeah you know i that could that i think it could work that way and i think that that makes the transition easier but probably in a more idealistic manner, it's going to be a, a slow evolution, mm -hmm. you know, and you pick up this concept, you pick up this concept and you just kind of add it to what you do. And, and over the course of the time, this is where we want to get. Mm -hmm. That's probably how it's going to be. But you can't think about how you, that's where most of the obstacles come from. People are never going to go for this. Well, that's as as they, you know, as they develop, as our parents and, right. our, and, and, and as we develop as parents and coaches towards our mentality in, in regards to baseball and softball and youth sports. We begin, I think we'll begin to understand how something like this makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Little by little. So, well, I know we went a little bit longer today than, than, uh, what we normally like to, but, uh, at least, at least we got through, I, I think a good chunk of what we actually think the player development 
program structure might look like in a calendar year because what that takes us up to now is is the month of august right and and we're done we're done playing by, yeah. by the end of july and we could talk about this for a long time yep. so it's probably something that we're going to revisit over and over again and hopefully we get a lot of people that want to talk about it and, and you know come on the, yeah. come on the up you know on the podcast and talk to us about it and yeah. you know, leave us messages and things like that so more than welcome to do that regardless of what your opinion is please Please let us Definitely. know what you think. Definitely. And in, in, in upcoming episodes, uh, we're going to go maybe take a, things in a little different direction. We mentioned that we're going to have some guests come on. So we'll be talking about the recruiting process, talking about uh, actual playing in college, talking a little bit about different, just different pieces of youth sports, you know, interaction with officials and interaction as, you know, as parents and, and kids on the field and different kinds of things that are important to you. So if you have things that you want Pat and I to talk about on the podcast, then uh, shoot us uh, an email, shoot us a message on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and we will be sure to include that in our conversation. And we'll include you. If you want to come on, let us know. So, Thanks, everyone. <laughs> so long for now.